everyone. Welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, a teacher, or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer, or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Hello, friend. Hi there. Oh my gosh, Michelle. So I was really excited when I reached out to you and you were like, yes, not only do I want to be a repeat guest on the podcast, but I also have something new to talk about. So thanks so much for joining us. You are welcome. I'm happy to share it because the kids that I've been using this new product with have seen amazing results when other things have not helped them. So I have lots of success stories. Oh my gosh. I will reference the your first podcast episode so that people um, know what number it is. I don't have it handy right now. But just for people that haven't listened to that episode, why don't we start off by having you give people a little bit of introduction to yourself and maybe I think your professional and personal worlds collide to to give really a good introduction. So why don't you hit us with that first? They absolutely collide. That's a good description of it. I'm a speech language pathologist and I've been in the field for over 20 years. However, when my second daughter was in kindergarten, first grade, she started having a lot of trouble with reading and writing. And I knew that she was having trouble sounding out words and writing words. But what I didn't know at the time, because professionals don't get good training in the area of dyslexia, is that's what we were seeing. So all the things that I knew from a language disorder standpoint, she can't sound out words. She can't blend sounds together. Her writing is terrible. Even after we practice, she can't remember these sight words were all the early signs of dyslexia. And so once I realized what path we needed to go down. My professional career took a 180 and I did this deep dive into the world of literacy and language-based literacy disorders. And that is where I am now. So I have this personal need that is driving my professional career at this point. And I'll just go ahead And explain to everybody that not only do I need a root canal, which I'm waiting on, and so you probably hear 10% of my personality instead of the normal 90% that comes out, but also my house is getting cleaned and I even tried to go outside to record this and my neighbor was cutting the grass. So sorry about the vacuuming that's overhead, if you can hear it. But Michelle, tell people in the first podcast episode, we talked about your book, which I actually just referenced last week in creating a a resource for the people in my membership. So your book is so great. Why don't you tell everybody about how you took this deep dive into literacy and then how that shaped your practice as a speech language pathologist and then ultimately led you to writing the book? Because I think what we're going to be talking about today is just a natural progression into the next When we realized that she had dyslexia and she needed help at school, the first thing I did as a parent was go to the school and talk to the teacher. But the response that I got was, she's fine. Her map scores are fine. She'll be fine. 
but she was not fine. And I realize as a parent how difficult it is to get appropriate services through the school in a timely fashion so that your child gets the much needed early intervention. And so I I collected all the resources that I could, and I would go to these meetings with binders full of information, some of which you helped guide me to, and then I would print it all off and I would read it. And even as a professional who worked in the school system, when I actually read the law and I read the state policies, it's very different reading it as a parent. And a lot of times when I would read resources, it would tell me, this is what the law says. But for me to feel really confident going into these meetings, I wanted to read it and know where it said that. And so as I was collecting all these resources, where where specifically does it say schools can use the word dyslexia? Where specifically does it say that parents have a right to request an evaluation and you do not have to wait for the school? Where specifically does it tell you what needs to happen if the school denies your request for an evaluation? And so I collected all this information and these links to certain documents. And unfortunately, we went through the referral process during COVID. And so that created a whole other mess and compensatory services that were owed. But we did end up getting a really strong IEP, but it took a lot of work with the school. Yeah. And through the whole process, I kept thinking, how are parents doing this that don't have a professional background in language disorders? Because I had easy access to the journals and the professional development that gave me all this sort of insider information on language disorders. And I kept thinking, how are parents doing it that don't have access to this information? And unfortunately, most parents aren't doing it. And that's why they're getting so frustrated. I wasn't quiet about my struggle. I went to board meetings and I went to site-based meetings and I I talked to a lot of other parents because at the same time I was getting parents into my private practice, they're having the same problems. And so I kept finding myself giving them the same advice. And so one day I thought, I'm just going to create a little 10 page workbook for them to follow. And it ended up turning into this almost 90 page ebook, but it's full of really good references and links to the references. And I'll tell you, I don't think you know this part is I actually have updated it. And so now um, if you choose to print it, there are QR codes that you can use if you have a printed version in the meeting. And we, I changed the name to make it more searchable friendly because it's eventually going to go on Amazon. That's coming too. But that's how the, yeah. So it used to be called, it doesn't have to be this hard. What's it called now? It shouldn't be this difficult. Yeah. Cause that's what I kept saying during the process. Yeah. It should not be this difficult. So now it is more simply called dyslexia advocacy for parents. And then there's a sub, and then there's a subtitle, but it's just, it's a much more straight to the point title. That is awesome. It's so great. Yes. The handbook is incredibly helpful. And Michelle, I think you also pointed out something that's really important here. And that is when you came to me, you said I gave you a ton of resources, but 
you printed off for me the Kentucky like dyslexia guidance document, the policy mm-hmm. document from yeah. the Department of Ed. And that was something that I had never seen. And I think I remember saying to you, this is what collaboration is all about. Like you have, we have to collaborate. You have to collaborate with your school team. The school team needs to collaborate back. That's got to be a reciprocal thing. And I think the lesson here for my audience members, first of all, is nobody knows it all. And we really do have to rely on our community. And so if you need an advocate or you need a therapist or you need a tutor or a coach or an attorney, any of these people, we can all learn from one another. And we all kind of have skill sets that complement one another. I just wanted to pause and get that little advocacy tip in there. Okay, so the book was doing well. You've even revised it. It's beautiful too, by the way. Thank you. Then you're like, so what do I, what's next? And so it sounds like you were noticing another trend and you started another product. I have a local clinic where I see kids and my entire caseload is kids with language-based literacy disorders. So dyslexia, dysgraphia, that's all that I see. We do evaluations and we do treatment. And what I was noticing is that the kids that I see with dysgraphia, so I'm going to back up here and I'm going to talk about the difference between dyslexia and dysgraphia. So we know that dyslexia is a language-based disorder at a word level, right? Difficulty reading, spelling, words, knowing spelling patterns for words, knowing what letters are representing the sounds in words. That is dyslexia. So dysgraphia is a language-based disorder at the subword or letter formation level. And what usually, and when we have a deficit in that subword or letter formation level, it has these trickle-up effects because we only have so much brain energy. And so in kids with dyslexia, when we have trouble perceiving the sounds and it, we have trouble spelling the word, and then there's this trickle-up effect into we get shorter sentences and we're leaving words out of sentences, even though we don't really have difficulty with sentence formation in spoken language. So kids with dysgraphia, when they have a language disorder at the subword level, they struggle with knowing how to write the letter effectively, accurately, and efficiently. And many of these kids have been through or are going through occupational therapy or they've gone through some traditional handwriting programs that are very good at working on fine motor skills, but they don't address the language deficit for these kids. So I did a lot of reading and research on dysgraphia to figure out what these kids need. And it's important to note that a lot of our kids also have attention issues with some executive functioning problems that go around that, which is task initiation, task planning, sequencing, organization. What do I do with all this information? And so I took all of that and then I started experimenting with some different things in my clinic, in my private clinic. And I would try some things If they didn't work. We would modify it. And it's actually my, there's a couple kiddos that come to mind, but it was my most difficult clients that really helped me to develop this program and figure out what kids need. And so I took what we know from research that 
kids with dyslexia need at the word level, right? Explicit, systematic, multimodal, cumulative instruction and applied that at the sub word level for letter formation. And then it just has evolved from there. And it's effective of getting rid of letter reversals. And what you'll see are there's a couple different kids, kind of kids with dysgraphia. There are some kids with dysgraphia who have had, and these are usually my homeschool kiddos, whose parents are very diligent about making sure their letters look good. But there's a lot of erasing. Yeah. There's the there's a lot of extra yeah holes in papers. There's a lot of extra lines made to correct formation. It takes them a tediously long amount of time to write anything. And how many parents are like, that's me, that's my kid. (laughs) Yeah, that is definitely one of them. And so when when the when those kinds of kids have used this program, what we've seen is a significant increase in efficiency of writing, less erasing. They're not having to spend so much of that brain power energy thinking about how to make the letter. And so now our brain can focus on spelling and now you have this trickle up improvement. Um, And so one of the baseline measures I take is I have them write the alphabet. Now, we don't practice writing the alphabet because that in itself is not very functional, but it's a good way to measure progress. And so I have one kiddo and he took over two minutes off how long it took him to write the alphabet. And just think about the application of that to paragraph writing. It's huge. His reversals have almost completely gone away. Because we showed him how to apply meaning to the letters. Incredible. Yeah, Um, incredible. So what's the program look like? Is this something that you're marketing to professionals, to parents? And what's it look like? So both. I When I wrote it, because I when I create things, my goal is to help parents. Because parent, there's, there are, to be honest, there's a lot of free resources out there for teachers that they could access if they want. And some don't. So my focus is parents. Now, I have had other professionals buy it and use it and say, They've seen great success with it. There, are, People can go to my website. There are case studies on there with side-by-side comparisons for writing samples. There's one kid that went from barely legible to write it at, with words to like a huge paragraphs in six months. So I wrote it for parents, but professionals can also use it. So when it's a tangible item, so when they buy it, they get it, will get a packet of information. And then they'll get some letter cards and the packet of information explains the program, explains how we're working on writing from a language and executive function standpoint and how that's different from just working on fine motor. What's And then how to take each letter, there's 10 levels within the program. So each letter has to go through all 10 levels. So what's really different about mine is most handwriting programs will have a whole page and you write each letter 10 times and you work through a couple letters at a time. That's not the most effective way to teach handwriting, especially for our kids with dysgraphia, because what the research tells us 
is after they make two to three repetitions of that letter, now we're working on a motor skill and we've lost the language activation in the brain. So the goal for this program is we do each letter once a day and each letter is able to progress through the different levels, which provide just enough support for them to be successful so that they eventually get to automaticity for the letter. So there are okay. some, yeah, so there are some that are more difficult and need more support. And people can probably guess what those are, right? The B, the D, S, Z, P, Q, right? The ones that are easily reversed, easily inverted. But there is a built-in system of support to scaffold correct practice and integrate the language part of it. And so because we know that the way that kids learn good literacy skills is because really? writing letters by themselves, we eventually have right. to incorporate them into the words. So that is built into this system as well. So not only do they learn how to teach letter formation, but it scaffolds in sound awareness or phonemic awareness to prep the brain for word level writing. And then when the letters get to a certain point in the program, you start working on spelling. Because another thing you'll see with kids yeah. with dysgraphia is if they've, a lot of times they'll say well, they can do it in words. And so they can write these really pretty or they'll, they can do it in letters and they can write these really pretty letters, but their functional handwriting is still a disaster. And so we scaffold into word level writing so that you don't have that gap. So good. And that's really what it's all about is continuing to spiral the instruction so that we get to something functional, so that we get to spelling, we get to paragraph writing. We take the, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, I work with so many kids with significant needs. Certainly a lot of kids with specific learning disabilities. But in addition to that, I work with kids with more significant needs. And what's so interesting with a child with a developmental disability like Down syndrome, which my Jack has, is if stereotypically, if they're in a big language boost, then their fine or gross motor might be terrible. If they're in a big motor boost, they might be really stagnant in expressive language development. And the theory is that, well, yeah, that makes sense because it is so much work just to regulate yourself from a sensory standpoint and from a mood modulation standpoint. And it's so, for some students, it's hard to stay awake or to breathe. Parasympathetic nervous system things are hard. For other students, it's hard to sit in a chair because you've got low muscle tone or whatever the thing is. So if you think about all the things that some students are working on, of course, it's hard to then work on language and motor skills at the same time. Mm -hmm. Similarly, to bring it back to this conversation, of course, it's hard to work on the fine motor skill of writing, but then also be concentrating on the language base of it. And that's why I think it's so important, by the way, that we rely on professionals like you to do this work, because I've said a hundred times, I got trained in Linda Mood Bell Lips because I thought that, that was going to be the way to get Jack to read. I went to a center here in Cincinnati that I thought was going to be great with him and they weren't even great with him in evaluating him. So I was like, it was super expensive. And I was like, no way, you're not taking my money. If you can't support him behaviorally or from a sensory standpoint or whatever, 
I got lips. I got myself trained and I was like, okay, this is definitely not going to be effective for Jack because it involves so much body awareness. Mm -hmm. But if I had implemented lips with 100 or even 50 kids before Jack and I knew how to modify it in order to work through the strengths and stretches in his profile, it probably would have been a fantastic program for him. I just didn't have the experience to do that. I think like from my experience as a parent and as an attorney advocate with so many clients behind my behind my unofficial opinion here, it's not research based. <laughs> I really think it's great that you're that you continue with that spiraling and scaffolding so that eventually we get to functional speech. Mm-hmm. It just sounds incredible. How long is the program? Like if parents buy it, what's it look like? So it's going to depend on how often they work on it at home, right? If they take 10 minutes every day, you can notice very quick improvements in just a few weeks. If you only work on it once a week, then it's going to take a lot longer because the, the letter, so there's 10 levels for each letter. If in a perfect world, the letter progresses to the next level each time you work on it. If you're doing once a week, that's 10 weeks. Level nine is working on automaticity. So there's some more repetitions there, but you get the idea. If we only did 10 weeks, once a week, 10 levels once a week, it would take 10 weeks. But if you're doing every day, that's two weeks. And plus kids benefit from shorter, more frequent bursts right? We know that from learning principles. And so, you know, 10 minutes a day is going to be much more effective and you can see very quick progress than if you're only doing once a week. That's why even the kids that I'm working through this with in the clinic, I tell the parents to just work with them 10 minutes a day at home and the progress is going to be much faster. So then that frustration decreases. If they can actually... Yes, because the kids with dysgraphia, they're the kids that end up with a trauma response to writing activities at school. They don't want to do it. And when you try to push writing, then you get these avoidance behaviors. And it's this huge downward spiral cycle for kids. I've had kids go through this program that where they're reading, they've gotten to where they can read fairly well, but they refuse to write. They refuse to write because no one has taught them how to start writing at the at that subword letter formation level that they need in a way that their brain can understand and make sense of it. It's not as easy to fake either. It's not. And so one of my parents, she, her daughter had been going through it for a while and she's a lot going on in her little life. And her mom came in one day and said, she wrote me a letter. She's never sat down and on her own spontaneously wrote me a letter before. And so now I'm going to tear up thinking about it because but these they get these stories, they get at my heart, right? Because all these kids are struggling and to give them a way to move past that struggle and to move forward where the parents know how to support them and they're seeing their own success. It's huge. It's huge for well, these kids. And you've witnessed it with your own daughter. I think yes. our, when our professional experience and intuition 
collide with our personal lives. It's just so beautiful. And that's where the heart really comes from. Michelle, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and where they can learn more about the product? So my local clinic where I see people in person is in Georgetown, Kentucky. But I do have a, my website is dayswithdyslexia.com. And if you go to dayswithdyslexia.com, there is a very easy to find link on that homepage that will take you to the, called the Head to Hand Writing Program. And you can see the case studies, you can read the frequently asked questions, and you can order the program there. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. I think you just continue to be such a shining light in the community and such a wonderful resource for people. Thank you. I am happy to be here.